It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are locked on Packers. He did what? Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Cousins is taken Part down. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Aaron Jones Your team broken it open every with day. With a dagger of a run. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. We are the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. That's why you're here. Thank you for being with us. Our very first Friday live show, Periscope. It's time to break down week one. And so we are going to get into all of that, starting with the Packers injury report. And this is the only thing we have to talk about because the Vikings, in what I find personally offensive, had nothing on the injury report. A clean injury report. Even for week one. I mean, even for week one, that's a little bit annoying. Just for anybody. Now, of course, Daniel Hunter is on IR. So it's not like they don't have impactful injuries to talk about. And that's why this situation with Billy Turner is so important. Billy Turner didn't practice again on on Friday. He is doubtful for Sunday. I don't think we should expect to see him. There are real questions, though, about who's going to play right tackle. If I had to guess, it's Rick Wagner. There are a bunch of different machinations that we could go through and talk about what's going on with who they could put Elton Jenkins in there. They could put this person in there. They could put someone out. We just, it's not worth it. I don't think to have those kinds of discussions because you just don't know. And speculating, I don't think helps because I know that that's sort of why you come here. That's part of the deal. But if it's not Rick Wagner, it could be any number of combinations that they're going to put in there. My guess is it's going to be Rick Wagner because you get to hold everything else even. And above all else, uh, NFL coaches tend to like continuity. And that continuity is what's important. And so I I think that's what they're going to ride with in this game and and especially in a a season where continuity is important that's what's going to carry the Packers I think through these first couple weeks is they're just going to be more in sync than other teams and I don't know that that continuity is going to be the same in week nine as it is in week one I think it matters more in week one and and that's the reason why uh, I really like Green Bay in this game now Raven Green is another one he was limited for most of the week 
did get out on the field, was able to do some stuff. But when you go back and look at what the Packers did last year with their players on a given week, if they were limited all week, if they didn't get a full practice in by Friday, they usually didn't play. So I, I don't think we should be optimistic that Raven Green is going to play. If there's a good side of that, or if there is at least something positive to take away in terms of the Packers overhang defenders, it's that Oren Burks was back at practice. He was a full participant and is essentially not on the injury report. So the Packers are going to have him if they want to play um, you know, some of those bigger nickel looks with two linebackers, something they were doing last year a lot that we just didn't get to see last year because Burks was hurt and it, that seemed to get him off track. So it, it's not clear how they're going to line up if Raven Green can't go because they don't have Kamel Martin. They don't have uh, the, the guys that they want in those spots. And if they don't have Raven Green, they don't want to have to move in Will Redmond. They don't want to have to bring in these other guys who are obviously you don't want to play preferred starters, but you don't want to have to play backups who are not ideally suited to those roles, especially in a week. The Vikings are going to play a lot of two tight end sets. So you need to have guys that can run. You need to have guys that can cover. Dalvin Cook is a big play waiting to happen. You need to be able to have guys that can run and handle that. Now, someone like Ty Summers has the speed to get sideline to sideline, but do you trust him out there? If he's got to play 50, 60 snaps against the Vikings, against the team that specializes in misdirection and play action and deception in the run game and turning that into big plays in the passing game, I think that would be very concerning for the Packers on defense. The good news is that the Packers secondary, you trust to handle the Vikings receivers. Jair Alexander is going to get a heavy dose of Adam Thielen. And whether or not he shadows Thielen, I don't think is really the point. Mike Patton famously does not like to do that. It makes his defense too predictable, he thinks. So you feel good if Kevin King or Jair Alexander is locking up Thielen. BC Johnson? Look, you know I love Justin Jefferson, but he's a rookie with no offseason. How ready is he to step in? And, and didn't even come in and blow the doors off training camp to the point that he locked down a starting job. So I think there's plenty of questions to be answered here that Green Bay already has answered. If you're the Vikings offense, Green Bay is like, hello, we have the defense for that. If you only have one receiver, we have the defense for that. And the question is going to be, can they stop the run well enough to keep the Vikings honest? Because the run game, while I am infamous among Packer Twitter for not caring as much about the run game, the thing about not stopping the run on early downs is it makes it too easy if you don't do anything. If you're giving up five yards of carry, you don't even have to get to third down. If you're not eating your vegetables, as Ben Fennell calls it, on first and second down, you're giving your opponent too many third and shorts. Now, what Green Bay did really well in their matchups last season was when the Vikings went to the play-action game, when they went to the boot game, and all of the, the the fun stuff that the Vikings like to do on first down to try and create easy looks for their offense, the Packers defended it really, really well. Those backside defensive ends stayed home. They didn't crash down. Mike Patton basically said, look, if you want to run, our backside defensive end is fine just carrying the quarterback. 
just fine. If Kirk Cousins is going to boot, we're going to have a guy accounting for that. We don't care what else you do. And Green Bay was really effective with that. Preston Smith was consistently in Kirk Cousins' face on those boot actions. And it took, I mean, I think the only one they completed in week two was one that was just a hope and a prayer from Kirk Cousins. He's falling down and and it's completed to, I don't even know, uh, someone. Someone not Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen. I think Chad Beebe, but... That's the sort of their their receiving core right now is like beyond Adam Thielen. It's sort of like who cares? I mean, Justin Jefferson, I think, is going to be a very good player, but I don't expect him to be one in week one. Green Bay has those answers. And so when you get back to the original point about Billy Turner not playing and Rick Wagner and not really worrying about what the machinations are there, Yannick Ngakwe is going to play a ton on that side. He's going to play a ton against Rick Wagner. But you know that, and you know that Adenabo on the other side is just not going to give David Bakhtiari any problems. And the comparison that I've made is when the Packers in 2014 went to Seattle, they said, hey, Jordy Nelson is just never going to be against Richard Sherman. It's going to be Devontae Adams, and it's going to be the sacrificial lamb, and he is going to go to slaughter, and he's going to be slaughtered. Although I thought Adams was open more in that game than, than Rodgers was willing to look at him for, and that was when I started to be like, you know, this Devontae guy, he's got some talent. If he's getting open, if he's getting open against Richard Sherman, and, and a very similar thing for Alan Lazard during the regular season game, he beat Richard Sherman in the regular season game for a touchdown deep, and Rodgers just didn't throw it. So and, and said after the game, I should have thrown it. So it's just one of those things that, I, that if you're the Packers, you want them to say, hey, we think that we can take advantage of you here because they know. They know that. And you're going to get Mercedes Lewis to that side a lot. The Packers are going to play with a lot of two tight ends. And they're going to say, we can chip. We can help a little bit to that side. We can slide protection to that side. Because the Vikings, they might decide we have to blitz to get pressure on Rodgers. Because they don't have Linval Joseph pushing the pocket inside. They don't have Everson Griffin to, to slide inside on third and nine. And you can put a bunch of pass rushers on the field. You just don't have that. And to lose that in a game like this is just really important when your cornerbacks, as we've discussed all week, are as inexperienced as their cornerbacks are. And if you want to watch all the action from Packers-Vikings, the best and only way to do that is with NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film sessions. Go inside the, the mind of a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Question from our Periscope. Why do people act like Wagner is such a big liability? Is Veldir really that much better? I do think Veldir is more reliable in this way. Um, he had more time in the system. 
And we saw him play meaningful snaps for the Packers in big moments. So you go out against Jadavion Clowney in a playoff game and handle your business. It's going to inspire a lot of confidence, and rightfully so. And it seemed like he was interested in coming to play. Now the Packers must feel like they don't need to worry about it, that they're fine with Wagner, that Billy Turner will be back soon, that maybe Valdir is a breaking case of emergency situation and they don't have an emergency. I mean, I think that's a, a reasonable position for them to have. I, When you look at the rest of their roster, you sort of go, if you're trying to put the best 53 together, Jared Valdir is probably one of those guys. And so why not just sign him? But there is all sorts of politics that are a part of building a team and, and with veterans. You know, you feel like, okay, if that guy's on the team, he's got to play. Well, maybe they feel like Billy Turner is the future there. And maybe they surprise us all and Elton Jenkins is going to start at right tackle and Lucas Patrick is going to play left guard and maybe that team is really good. That's just, I, I, I think there's a lot of different ways that the Packers can make this work. And that's the beauty of it for Green Bay. And I think one of the reasons why you don't see Valdir on this team is for all the, the, the machinations that I said I was not going to go through and will still not go through, they have them. They could slide Lane Taylor out, put Lucas Patrick in. They could slide Elton Jenkins out, switch Lane Taylor back to left guard and put Lucas Patrick at right guard. There's so many different ways they can handle this that they probably feel pretty good about. So why take a roster spot on Valdir? I think that's the thinking. Why um, they wouldn't just say this makes our team better and bring him in? Look, I don't know. I think this is this is a kind of a, an old school mentality of just like we're gonna let the young guys figure it out, or we like our team. Sometimes I think teams can get a little bit too uh, overconfident in what's in front of them and say, well, we like these guys. So another question from Periscope, uh, what are you expecting from Rodgers this week? Do you think he's going to set the tone and play on fire? I think Rodgers is going to play well. And I don't just think that because of the predictions from Rob Domofsky and others and James Jones that he's going to be NFL MVP. I don't think it's likely that he's going to be the MVP. If for no other reason, then it's a narrative-based award, and the Packers don't have a great narrative. They were 13-3 and last year. Everyone thought they were a mediocre 13-3 and team, so if they're 11-5 and or even 12-4, and Rodgers would have to be, you know, like 40-plus touchdowns and 5,000 yards. I mean, think of the guys he's going to have to compete with there. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is going to throw 40 touchdowns if he's healthy. He's going to throw for 4,500 yards if he's healthy. And the numbers are going to be so impressive. Now, remember, last year, Patrick Mahomes, if he'd even been healthy for the games that he missed, his numbers still would not have gotten to what Lamar Jackson did. And Lamar Jackson deserved to be MVP. He might deserve to be MVP again. If they go 14-2 and two again, and no one can stop them again, maybe he's the MVP again. So that's not to say that Rodgers can't play well. And I, I expect Rodgers to play well on Sunday. He did not play well. He did not play great. I guess let's be charitable. He did not play great in the week 16 matchup. He played, I thought he played better than the numbers indicated. And I thought that in week two, he played pretty well in the second half. A lot of stuff didn't go his way. That wasn't really his fault. And so when you look at, okay, there's going to be not much pass rush. It's Yannick Ngakwe and a bunch of guys. That's their defensive line. Yannick Ngakwe and a bunch of guys. That's workable. You can scheme around one guy 
and a bunch of guys. It makes it more complicated because Mike Zimmer is really good and he's going to scheme up some double A gap pressures and some of those mug looks where you don't know who's coming. And maybe, you know, you're able to do what Mike Patton does and scheme some guys open on free rushers where, you, you know, you, you're not sure who's coming. But Aaron Rodgers has seen these blitzes. He knows he knows what's coming. He knows where the pressure is coming from, and he knows where his answers are now in year two with this offense. I think year two in this offense is a big deal. And, you know, there was a big piece written about the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo in year two with Kyle Shanahan. We've talked about Matt Ryan in year two with Kyle Shanahan. Matt LaFleur is not Kyle Shanahan, and we need to remember that. And until Matt LaFleur proves that he is in the Shanahan class in terms of a play designer and play caller, we can't put him in there. I think Matt LaFleur is a very good coach. Very clearly, he was a huge part of what this team wanted to be from a culture standpoint and setting the tone and allowing players to be the guys that they wanted to be. That was huge, and ask any player in that locker room last year if that was the case, and they will tell you it was. They came on this show, and to a man said that. We don't know if he's able to do the same kinds of things, designing and scheming, so we don't know if the same kind of year-two jump is possible with Rodgers. Now, by all accounts, he was killer in training camp. And, you know, there's been some, some body language doctoring. You know, Michelle Bruton wrote a great piece for Fansided about how, you know, when Rodgers has said to do a thing, we should listen. And maybe there's a little bit of confirmation bias in there, but we remember relax. And we remember Rodgers saying at the beginning of the year, I feel really good about this team. And we remember, I feel like we can run the table. Generally speaking, when Roger says, I'm good, when Roger looks like he's happy, when he's playing free, that's when he's at his best. And he gets to mix that sort of chip on his shoulder. The, the team just drafted Jordan Love, and everyone thinks that we sucked last year, even though we won 13 games. He gets to carry that into this season. And he seems to be more comfortable in the offense. Luke Getze said that he's never seen a quarterback as involved in the game planning as Aaron Rodgers has been. And the Packers should be better addition by subtraction. This is something that we talked about on Twitter today. And I I think it, it just has to be repeated. Geronimo Allison, very good guy, was one of the worst starting receivers in football last year, if not the worst. Not an exaggeration. The advanced metrics bear this out. One of the five worst starters in football, full stop. They cannot be worse. Alan Lazard will not be worse than Geronimo Allison in 2020. Will not. I think if you if the Packers got Marquez Valdez-Scantling, they got 16 games of the guy he was for the first four games last year, the offense looks a lot different. And so with Lazard, MBS, and Adams, then you add in what they can do with Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers talked about how Jamal Williams looks different and they're going to use him split out more and he's going to be a bigger weapon in the passing game. And then the Mike Sando piece from The Athletic talked about basically all of the reasons that Aaron Rodgers' numbers don't bear out what the league thinks of him. And one of the things they found out was, yeah, a lot of drops, a lot of really bad plays that cost Rodgers a lot of opportunities. And Jimmy Graham was the biggest culprit. Guess who's not on the team anymore? Jimmy Graham. And guess who's playing in Chicago? And guess who thinks he's the second coming of Tony Gonzalez? Chicago. Good luck with that. 
All right, from Periscope, do you think EQ can break out and be the number three receiver? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that simple. He is, I think, the second most talented receiver on the roster. Now, he hasn't played that way, but he can. And so if he's given opportunities, if he's wide receiver four, and very clearly he is, um, Tyler Irvin, I think, is is going to play a lot in the slot. I think he's a receiver, not a running back, even though he's listed as a running back for reasons that are unclear. But when you look at the big slot options for the Packers, the best options are Jay Sternberger and EQ. So when you have those guys with the movement skills that they have, and Sternberger is looking really good in terms of his movement skills, he looks faster, he looks more nimble, he looks more agile, and it just is going to be a different look this year than what we saw last year. Following up on that, how do you think the tight end snaps will be split up? Haven't heard much of Jay. So the thing about the the Jay Sternberger thing is he was on the COVID list. He's on the COVID list. So it's not his fault that he's not out there with the opportunities. And Matt LaFleur said last week, he said, look, it's on me because Jace hasn't gotten the same opportunities and I need to get him those opportunities. And I think that was a tacit admission that, hey, look, I sort of just took it for granted that he's going to be here. He's going to be a guy for us. And yeah, I probably should have worked him in a little bit more. So this is something that I think you should take to heart. I don't think it's going to be a huge part of the game plan in week one, although I do think he's going to play. Large Robert, Big Bob Tanyan, is going to be the first move tight end on the field. And Aaron Rodgers is excited about it. I think a lot of Packer fans were excited about it last year and and even the year before that. So get excited again, I guess. I mean, he, he clearly has become a better point of attack blocker and can be a big play threat with his speed, can, can be a guy who makes plays down the seam. He was coming on last year as a move player, had taken snaps from Jimmy Graham. I think we forget how many snaps Big Bob was taking from Jimmy Graham last year early in the season and then got hurt, makes that ridiculous catch in Dallas and gets hurt. And as soon as Jay Sternberger gets on the field, they're trying to take Jimmy Graham's snaps again. They're trying to take them from him because they feel like these young guys are just better. So that's that's going to be something that I think we're going to see is going to be a little bit more gradual with Jace. But once he gets on the field, he's going to be a major factor. I, I still have a lot of belief in, in what he's able to do. Before we finish up here, I want to tell you about a product that I, I think more people need to get on board with because it's something that I use. I use CBD in my life. I have chronic pain. I was hit by a taxi a couple years ago. And so I have chronic pain. I have chronic back pain. I had, I had to have hip surgery and it can be hard to find the right treatments for you. Luckily, our friends at CBMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup and recharge when life gets chaotic. The COVID pandemic has created a lot of anxiety in the world. CBD can help. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. And CBD Recover 
combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it easy, even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering our listeners 25% off on your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDON for 25% off your purchase of the best CBD oil products from CBD. MD. I want to finish with this. Uh, the line makes no sense. This is the, this is the this is the week where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Uh, the the Vegas line doesn't make sense. And I am someone who pays very close attention to the fundamentals, pays very close attention to the underlying metrics and the point-based models and the public point-based models. I put them together and determine that Vegas is essentially taking home field advantage as a point or thereabouts, which is about half of what it used to be. It used to be 2.2 to 2.5, depending on the week, and not all home field advantages are created equally. This year, it's more like one. Before Daniel Hunter, it was Vikings minus three. That line didn't make sense. And even now, Vikings minus two and a half with no Hunter almost makes less sense. This is a game that should be... Vikings minus one, minus one and a half. I think minus one, I think maybe minus 0.5. The Packers are better. Packers are better. And I, I just don't see anything changing about the matchups from last year in a material way that, that dictate the outcome be different. If anything, the things that kept the, the Vikings in week two, the big plays to Stephon Diggs, those are going to be gone. And the things that kept them in the game in the second half, defensively, the fact that they could rush Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph and Daniel Hunter all together, those are gone. And the fact that you had a cornerback group, even if they weren't great individually, had continuity. They don't have that this year. So what is the deal? What is the deal? I don't understand it. Now, sometimes when, when these Vegas lines get wonky, you just sort of have to trust Vegas because they know things. This doesn't make sense to me. I would take the Packers plus the points. I would take the Packers money line. And I feel I feel strongly about it. Now I know that last year, you know, one of the one of the underdog moments that I felt really strongly about was Packers 49ers, the first matchup, and um, I was wrong. I was wrong about that. I was wrong for a number of reasons. The difference is we saw this last year. We saw it. We saw these two teams play, and we saw the Vikings get whomped by a team that plays a similar offensive style and that used a defensive ideology that the Packers had already put out there as a blueprint. The Vikings basically copied what Green Bay did to Kirk Cousins and that play-action offense. What has changed that gives you faith the Vikings should be favored in these games? Nothing to, For me, nothing has changed, and if anything, the advantages that Green Bay had have only grown. The Vikings still can't block Green Bay's front, which should be even more ferocious this year. Green Bay still has a big advantage 
with Devontae Adams against anyone the Vikings can put out there. And they have, without Geronimo Allison, without Jimmy Graham on the field, upgrades at the other pass catcher positions. And by the way, Geronimo Allison caught a touchdown last year against this Vikings defense, which probably tells you everything you need to know. Plus, defensively, Green Bay is better, I think, overall. And the Vikings are worse. The Vikings are worse. You don't go from Stephon Diggs to B.C. Johnson and, and a rookie as talented as that rookie is, and not get worse. They're worse. They're worse. They're not better. They're worse. So this this is all going to get clipped out if the Packers lose, and I understand that, and I'll take it and I'll eat it. But I think the Packers win. I think the Packers win. Handily, no. Comfortably. 27-17. 27-20. It's a touchdown or more. Because I just think the matchup is so favorable for Green Bay. If it were a different team and it was this line and, and similar situations, it's just different. We saw this last year. Green Bay, I, exactly right. On Periscope, someone said Green Bay will have to come out horribly to lose. Exactly right. It will have to be a Murphy's Law game for Green Bay to lose because the matchup is just, in, in the important ways, the matchup is so favorable to Green Bay. Pass rush, quarterback, cornerbacks, receiver. Green Bay has the advantage in those places, and that's what matters. So I like the Packers. I like them to cover. I like them on the money line. However you like them, I like them. So let's go. We'll be back on Monday to talk about it. Back next week, Lions, Saints, a ton of of fun games coming up. Enjoy Sunday. uh, And I know I will get hit up on the Lockdown Packers fan hotline, so please do that. Locked on Packers fan hotline. Hit me up on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow me there. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Subscribe. Please subscribe to the podcast. iTunes, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.